Welcome to the HS Health Tech Podcast, which covers the latest in health and technology through interviews with disruptive health startups and leaders. So you are listening to one of our first 20 episodes. So first of all, thank you so much for listening. As you can imagine with the podcast, they get more and more popular, which ours certainly did after episode 20. So we started giving proper introductions, long introductions, and we upgraded our equipment and everything like that. So that's why you're hearing from me now, because we're putting this at the start of every one of those first 20 episodes. So I am your host. My name is James Someru. I'm an anesthetics and intensive care doctor by background. So I practiced for five years. I did loads of different jobs in policy and leadership within the UK NHS. I've run two different health tech accelerators to help startups grow, access different markets in the UK and abroad. And now I'm a co-founder of HS and we build, scale and invest in the best health tech startups. So if you want to get in touch with us, then head on over to the description of this podcast. In there, you will find all of the links to our social media, website, emails, etc. So click on those, follow us, let us know what you think of the podcast and feel free to suggest any guests. Hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hope you enjoy the rest of the podcast. Connect with us. Let us know what you think. Welcome to today's episode of the HS Podcast. Uh, joining James and I today is Jonathan Knight from Perfect Ward. Uh, Perfect Ward is an online inspection tool aimed at continuous quality improvement in hospitals. Now, Jonathan, uh, James and I have known you for a little while, um, but for the benefit of the audience, why don't you let everyone know a little bit about your background and your journey to Perfect Ward? Yeah, thank you, Alex. And um, unlike your, your esteemed selves, I'm not a clinician by background. Um, although I've always been interested in healthcare and medicine, I, I watched my older sister go off to med school and have a lot of fun, but also found what she was doing very interesting. Um, but ultimately, I, I got interested in biology and went off to study that, um, but then got lured into management consultancy. I was at Accenture originally, um, looked across different industries, but I always had an interest uh, remaining in pharmaceuticals and healthcare, but, but did other things as well. Um, running underneath all of this at the heart, I'm a geek, I'd say I was always the sort of first person to get a, a pager, um, a mobile phone, an iPod, an iPhone. And I was always fascinated in how technology found new ways of solving problems. Um, so 10 years ago, I, I left Accenture and I joined my business partner, Tim, who had set up his own uh, management consultancy company. And that specialized in healthcare, which, which was what I was interested in. And what I loved about working in healthcare was... Uh, firstly, that I was solving problems, working right on the front line. You know, I was in the operating theatre talking to surgeons. I was in the clinic talking to, to nurses and, and operations teams. And I really enjoyed working closely with those people who were solving those problems. But also that the results I got as a management consultant were starting to be measured in more patients got treated or waiting times were reduced or um, we were able to open up new clinic slots in new places and it wasn't just, you know, you've shifted the margin on yogurt by 2% or you've increased upstream oil production by you know, half a percent. And, and I found that really satisfying. Um, I was always interested in, in solving problems. And, and, and though I love Excel dearly, what I also noticed was that in healthcare, it's generally not the right tool. Um, nurses and, and doctors are, are mobile professions. You know, you don't spend your time sat in an office. You spend your time out with patients and staff seem to be being re-anchored back to their computers at nursing stations and that seems a mistake and people 
just didn't have the time or, or the inclination to learn Excel. So I was known as kind of a bit of an Excel guy, but I always recognized that, that wasn't the right tool. And that problem that uh, Perfect Ward now solves really crept up on me when I wasn't looking for it, actually. It wasn't what I was out to solve. Um, my partner, Tim, and I were, were at a hospital in Kent uh, with a team looking at lots of problems in the hospital. I was primarily focused on delayed transfer of care. Um, and every time I went to go and speak to one of the matrons about it, she seemed to be going around with a clipboard and uh, pen and paper asking questions about quality and safety. And it wasn't something that I'd spent a lot of time on. I, I spent time on efficiency and finance and productivity and strategy. Mm. But what I found really interesting was that these were really fundamental questions about how patients were being looked after, that they were being safely cared for, that they had a good experience. And yet this really important question was being handled on pen and paper. And what's more, the really valuable knowledge about how this worked across the hospital was taking weeks to get back to the people who could make the decisions. And in the weeks that went by, it became irrelevant. And when it finally got up to the quality committee and the board, it was in such a form that nobody understood it. And when it went back to the front line, they didn't recognize it either. So being known as, a, as an Excel monkey, um, someone said, could I have a go at putting together a better spreadsheet for this? But we've been talking a lot about technology in the team anyway. And what occurred to me that this wasn't an Excel solution because you were walking around, talking to patients, talking to staff, looking at clinical areas. Why not do it on the device you had with you anyway, your smartphone or, or tablet? So we very quickly came up with a prototype, uh, which because I have quite a literal mind, I just called Ward Inspector. Um, and the response to it was tremendous and uh, very quickly became obvious that this was something that there was a real need for and there was um, not really anything out there solving this problem so we put some more time and effort to it and we built up uh, a small development team and we launched under the name of perfect ward um, with that aspiration really to empower frontline staff to be able to work towards the sort of clinical environment they would want their relatives to be in uh, perfect is, is probably an aspiration but um, we thought it was a good one to be aiming for and it grew very quickly from there. The, 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 the response from staff was, was brilliant. It started solving their problems. Um, and they started to really engage what, with uh, how they could use this to improve quality and safety and patient experience. And it switched it over from being an administrative task uh, on pen and paper to something that they were actually really proud in and really engaged in and, and what they came to work as clinicians to do in the first place. Um, so fast forward uh, about three years and we're now in, uh, I think we'll close the year somewhere close to sort of 35, 40 organizations using Perfect Ward. Um, the one bit I regret about the name is the ward bit. Um, we started out in acute hospital wards, but it's now in use in all different types of healthcare environment, uh, not just within hospitals, uh, in community and mental health and ambulance services, care homes, uh, in commissioning, and lots of environments in hospitals as well. And um, we now have thousands of inspections being done and um, thousands of users, and still really, really satisfying to see how people are using that to improve quality and safety. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a huge problem. And uh, just I, I was about to pick up actually and say, you know, that it's not just something that's that's a problem in hospitals, uh, you know, in the community for district nurses who perform duties like sort of administering medicines or wounds care or, or any sort of patient management. Uh, it's an enormous administrative burden. And I think it was um, Simon Stevens, who's the chief executive of NHS England, mm. a couple of months ago um, when he was giving a talk to the um, uh, group of NHS managers quoted the figures that I think about an average of 88 days a year um, is spent on undertaking administration um, compared to 87 having direct contact with patients um, which is pretty crazy when you think about uh, it. It's, it's shocking but yeah if you've worked in, in a clinical environment it's not at all surprising I mean you can absolutely recognize it and I think one of the things that's been a bit unloved in healthcare is there's been lots of focus recently on the electronic patient record and making sure that all clinical records are digital and, and rightfully so. But that leaves a huge amount of other paper admin that clinical staff are working on that's not related to patient care, that may be related to medicines management or maybe related to quality or maybe related to patient transport. All of these things that impact the patient but are not necessarily directly in that patient record. And if you could free up that time for clinical staff, it would do tremendous amounts. Yeah, I mean, as, as clinicians, I'm sure um, James will, will agree, writing in the notes, documenting everything is, is obviously a key part of your job, but it's incredibly um, labour intensive and does to a degree, you know, take your time away from, from patient care. And then the nursing staff, and particularly people like the, the senior nurses who look after the wards, then have increasing um, audit quality improvement administrative work mm -hmm. they have to do on top of all of that which is obviously where you guys are coming in and trying to make that as easy as possible for people. I'd, I'd say especially the fact that, you know, doing inspections, it's not a tangible benefit either. It's not like, you know, as an anaesthetist, I'd, I'd put a drug into a patient and you'd see the benefit immediately. Inspections is one of those real slow burners where you're going to have to, you know, embark on this really quite tedious process um, and then only hope to see the results way down the line. And it's also about that sort of clinical variability aspect. You know, I'm sure quite a lot of the hospitals that, that, that use Perfect Ward in a lot of their areas, they're doing well. But you want to make sure that everywhere is doing well and on every day and consistently. And that's the challenge that actually with some of this audit stuff, yeah, you may well go around and you may see that an area is perfect, but you want to be absolutely sure that every area uh, in your clinical environment is, is safe and that patients are well looked after. And that's quite a uh, long, slow process to make sure that you keep doing that. And isn't necessarily particularly rewarding for staff when they're just feeding the machine paperwork that they never see come out the other side. So by enabling them to see those results immediately, see how they compare with their peers, know that that information is actually being used by people across the hospital to help improve quality and safety, it, it turns it into a much more dynamic and, and, and engaging thing for those clinicians. And um, it was interesting... Um, as we moved out of the hospital setting, one thing I hadn't realized is that whilst this is a big challenge in a hospital uh, where you may have dozens or even hundreds of clinical areas, actually when we started talking to ambulance services and mental and community health providers, it's, it's the case that you, even if you wanted to, you couldn't visit all these areas. You know, in a hospital, it might take you a long time, but you could walk along the corridors, you can go into each ward and clinic. Some of the, our customers, London Ambulance Service, they have 70 ambulance stations across Greater London. Uh, North East London Foundation Trust, Mental Health Trust, they cover hundreds of square miles 
across all kinds of different clinical environments. There's no way you could get out and see all these different clinical environments. And unless you can have that information flow through in a really straightforward, easy way that everyone could see, you haven't got a chance of knowing that those areas are safe. So in those types of dispersed clinical estates, it's, it's even more of a challenge. Um, and I think we've seen even greater impact of, of using Perfect Ward. And I think in practical terms as well, some of the, the things that, that nursing staff, particularly on wards, uh, might be reporting, so things like if uh, uh, the lock on a, a drug cabinet's broken or, or there's, there's some sort of contamination in a clinical area, typically that would have been written down or, or put into some sort of you know, written text. But obviously with your app, you can take a photo of that, log it, um, and then send it very, very quickly um, to, to the system to, to be analysed. It has a lot of advantages. And, and again, it was one of those features that we put in early days thinking, oh, you know, you might as well take a photo. And as soon as we started seeing people using it, we, we realized the potential of that. Uh, one is just time saving, you know, the, the, the effort of trying to exactly explain by writing down what the problem is versus just taking the photo. But also it just with visual animals, you know, to see it, to, to understand it, you get the picture much more quickly. And then the final piece is it just takes away the argument. You know, it, estates can't then come back and say, I'm sure it was fine. Or you know, <laughs> clinical staff can't, can't say it wasn't a problem. There's the photo. There's the evidence. OK, let's move on to how we fix it. And, and that's had a, a, a tremendous impact. And people, we did see people trying to do this. You know, they get their camera out, their phone out. They take a photo. They'd email it to themselves. They pull it off the email attachment and then they'd save it onto the file system. And, you know, it was possible, but it put such a barrier in that most people wouldn't bother. Uh, quite a lot of probably information governance is breaches for the people who did the fact that you can just use it within the app it stays encrypted within the app bomb you take the photo is is tremendous and again it touches into that that point that we're walking around with these supercomputers in our pockets and yet you know but, and people are very comfortable using them you know apple and google have designed these brilliant interfaces that you don't even have to think about and yet most clinicians when they get to the environment uh, that they work in all day to help patients they put those phones away and they go back to picking up something that's you know hundreds thousands of years old to to carry out the work on pen and paper um it, it seems mad in many ways but uh but you know it's 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 linking together the people who know those problems with the people who who know how to solve them and, and that's what we were able to do one of the things for me jonathan is is just when, when you put it like that it's just how simple actually um it is to solve this enormous problem i think the simplicity i remember when we very first spoke that the simplicity of it just surprised me so much and we talk all the time at hs about the future founders uh, you know that they've they've got to really get in and understand <clears throat> understand the problem and and really understand their customer and things and it seems that you've done that also quickly to, a, to an enormous problem but just a remarkably simple solution did, did the simplicity of it surprise you in some way Actually, um, the difficulty of the simplicity surprised me. Um, <laughs> whenever we do a new feature, uh, you know, we, we listen to the feedback from our, from our users a lot and we design features around that. I would say uh, myself and the team, we can design that feature pretty quickly. 10% of the time is designing that feature, I would say. 90% of the time is putting in the, the effort and the thinking and the testing ourselves to make it simple. Um, and it's very easy to make software that's hard to use. It's very hard to make software that's easy to use. Um, and 
the greatest compliment is when people don't notice you know they just find it easy to use and don't see that behind the scenes we've gone through dozens of iterations challenging ourselves that you know no this is too complicated this may add a minor benefit but it's confused users strip it back make it simpler um and i think if you look at healthcare systems in general they suffer from the other way around someone's made them tremendously complicated that staff have to go on a week-long training course with you know 200 page handbooks to follow actually we can deploy with no training and we challenge ourselves to make sure that that's that's the case now we generally actually do do training to, to engage people in it but our challenge is always to make sure that we design that software in a way that you could just pick up and use if you know how to use a smartphone then you can pick it up and use it and that's um, that takes quite a lot of discipline, but um, it's worth it. You know, when you see people able to just pick it up and get going and almost enjoy using it, that's when you know that you've succeeded. And yeah. I'm very comfortable with um, the end result looking quite simple. <laughs> like it didn't take any, mm. any effort. I think you once described us as unsexy tech, James, but, I, <laughs> but I'm, I'm kind of quite comfortable with that. I think it's, uh, I think it's right. You know, that, um, uh, our job is that the, the user doesn't have to think about that. Well, I think just for the benefit of some of the listeners, you know, sort of describing your app, it's it's very much you've got your tabs along the bottom, um, as you can probably imagine, and then you've got the ability to answer key questions on quality improvement or safety on the ward, uh, which the um, staff can, can quite quickly um, enter. And then you've got your analytics area where it sort of pings up uh, quite quite nicely and visually whether a ward has has any sort of uh, key problems or whether it's passing some of the compliance tests set um, and the, I think you know clinicians point of view because there will be clinicians um, listening what are some of the what are some of the things that you can sort of change with the app so say for example you're in one hospital with with their own set of uh, inspection metrics and questions is that something that they can change between organizations yeah, totally customizable and, and within organizations as well. Uh, one of the things we learned quite quickly was even within the first hospital that we worked in, some of the questions that they needed to ask in neonatal units were quite different to the elderly care units. Um, you know, and it, and it frustrates staff and it, and it wastes their time if you know, they're going around and doing the inspection in the neonatal unit and it's asking questions about dementia. And that very quickly disengages staff. And the response of most systems of, well, that's the way it's set up, sorry, we can't change it, um, further disengages staff. So one of the things we worked on from the start was to make sure that the app had the ability to be totally customizable to uh, each clinical environment and each organization. Now, underlying that, we have a very good implementation team that really understand these problems very well, that also help guide people so that whilst the tool may be totally customizable, you probably do want some consistency across the hospital. There probably are a core set of questions that you can ask that give you a, a good, solid understanding across your hospital. Yes, there'll be some that are specific to different area types, different clinical environments. But if you want to be able to understand this consistently everywhere, then you need to make sure you keep that question consistent everywhere. And now that we've, we've grown, what we're trying to do is take that to the next level and start to say, well, let's look across other hospitals and what are they doing look at different setups and what questions are they asking and is that something that you could use in your clinical environment and is that something you'd want to be able to compare across hospitals across different wards across different neonatal units and i think 2019 for us is going to be 
a really interesting year as we try and pull that knowledge across different uh, organizations so that they can start to learn from each other as well. And have you, have you, are you seeing or have you seen um, your customers using this for things like their care quality improvement, um, care quality commission, um, uh, sort of audit trails and things like that? Really interesting question. We, we are quite deliberate not to anchor this off the CQC uh, because of motivations. Um, we believe strongly that this should be an internal motivation to improve quality and safety and patient experience. It shouldn't be because the CQC are coming. Now, that said, the CQC are coming and they uh, have a right, well, legal right to ask these questions and um, a, a really important role to play in, in ensuring quality and, and, and safety and patient experience. So why go through a massive exercise in trying to show them all this evidence when you've already got it in perfect ward? And we've found really, really rewarding um, results from that if, of organizations being able to use the evidence they've got in perfect ward to help assure the CQC that their hospital is being kept safe and not just on the time when the CQC visit not just a sudden panic to to make sure the areas were being inspected and that the standards were being followed that they could demonstrate that day in day out they are looking at this carefully and they have a tool that enables them to track this quality and safety so we, we, we never we never say do this because the CQC are coming. But actually, if you if you're doing this consistently and can demonstrate it to the CQC, then that's absolutely brilliant for being able to show that you comply with everything that the CQC do. And and we have customers who are rated outstanding with the CQC, and we have customers that need to make significant improvements with the CQC. But the motivation is still the same to, to ensure that quality and safety and patient experience and be able to demonstrate that to the CQC. And I mean, you mentioned earlier that, that you're already in 30 plus organisations, which is hugely comp uh, impressive. And, and congratulations again on that. Um, for when you're sort of approaching a new organisation, from a financial point of view, what's your what's your benefit to that organisation? I think the world of healthcare now, uh, certainly the NHS, um, you don't get to choose whether you're doing quality and safety and patient experience initiatives or whether you're doing financial initiatives. Everything has to have, uh, or almost everything has to have a financial benefit. And one of the things that we're luckily able to do is to do both. Uh, so generally the motivation is for quality improvement, safety and, and patient experience. But actually because it releases so much clinical time, there's always a positive return on investment for doing it. The finance director um, is often round the table nodding and smiling about the fact that, that we're freeing up that time. And um, the reason for that is, you know, if you think about the, the inefficiency of going around with pen and paper and going back and typing that up and so on compiling the reports, that time across all of the wards and clinics and theatres in your hospital very rapidly adds up. Uh, and the fact that you can do it instantaneously on a, on a smartphone uh, releases a lot of that time. Now, there's a, uh, I guess, an argument as to how you count that time, you know, whether you can directly transfer that into pounds and pennies. And, and if you've got a lot of agency staff or, or, or you know, bank staff cost, then that, that certainly is true. But I think most places recognize that that clinical time is, is valuable. And if you are able to release that clinical time, 
whether or not that's a bottom line saving, that is a, a, a huge impact on the organization. Um, and we typically see, you know, two to five times in year return on investment from just that time release before you even get on to the quality improvement. Jonathan, how did you arrive at those value propositions for all those different people? Because one of the issues for, we, we deal with loads of startups and one of, one, of the, one of the things that they really struggle with is first identifying who it is they even need to produce value propositions for and then how they actually figure out what currency those different people in those organizations actually work to. So what, what was that journey like? I guess I had a, a bit of an unfair advantage in that because um, that was where I'd come from, you know, looking at um, how performance could be improved, um, in, in a positive way for staff as well. You know, what's, what are the things in the process that are slowing things down? How do we improve those? And then how do we quantify that benefit? So it was something I was very comfortable with. And um, the way that, that we did it was just by observation. So before we go live with Perfect Ward, we would track how much time was being spent by different staff and build up the as-is picture of um, the time and the cost of that time for carrying out those inspections, for reporting on them, um, and um, doing that across the whole hospital at different staff groups. And then once we put in Perfect Ward, that's quite easy to do because we can pull those metrics out the app and, and demonstrate that. Um, we then take that, uh, those sums back to the customer and verify them with, with the customer. We don't want to be putting anything out there that they wouldn't agree with. Um, and um, we, we've now got quite a, a, a good rhythm on that. And, and I think we understand that quite well. Um, but I think that's quite important, you know, that you, you are able to stand behind um, what you're claiming. Um, and we really have grown the way we have because of um, word of mouth and how our, our customers value it. So it's important to us that they, they stand behind that as well. And I mean, Obviously, my uh, one of my companies is essentially not particularly uh, simple and straightforward. It's a spatial computing company, so I'm obviously thinking about crazy sci-fi tech. What What are some of the, the sort of next steps you could do with with some of the data you're collecting? Do you think? Yeah, there's a, there's a um, uh, simple level to that, and then there's a I guess the sexy tech level to that as well. Um, so the simple level is trying to collect it in a in a way that's directly comparable. Um, starting to come up with uh, comparisons across hospitals where we're using the, the setup and the, and the technology and, and the logic to make sure that we're asking consistent questions that are uh, fairly comparable. Um, and that's the, the obvious next step for us and, and something we're going to be working on. Beyond that, you can start to layer on uh, some of the image recognition uh, machine learning, uh, some of the kind of natural language processing on top to also look at some of that unstructured data, you know, to start to look at the, the photos that are being taken, to start to look at the comments that people are leaving and start to draw out the themes from that. Um, now, we're quite cautious about doing that. Um, the technology is, is maturing um, rapidly to, to allow that. Um, but you also need to make sure that you're doing that to help solve a problem, you know, to, to answer questions that people want answered rather than just because it's quite cool and um, feels a bit sci-fi, the fact that the computer knows what it's looking at. Um, and I think we'll, we'll continue to work on that in the background. But there is a rich data source there that um, I've always believed that if you put the right information in the hands of the frontline staff, they can do tremendous things with it. So we'll continue to look at how we can draw out that information in a way that 
they may not have thought of doing, but really helps them with how they do their job. I mean, some of that stuff, it'd be really interesting um, once you've implemented some of those features to see uh, the, the improvements, especially around some of the comparative data, if you're able to see what equivocal wards in an organisation or even other organisations um, are, are doing and how they're rating for their, their ind- independent audits. That, that may well be some of the behavioural um, improvement that, that you, you may well see from, from the staff on the ward. It's what we'd like to get to. I think we we are cautious about it because um, there are many, many factors at play uh, and we've always been careful not to kind of overclaim on that. Um, and I think where people have made mistakes sometimes in the NHS in particular is to, to look at one organisation and what they're doing and say, oh, look, they're brilliant. Let's lift this little bit of what they're doing uh, without realising everything that that organisation's done around cultures of, of safety and investment in people uh, and improving processes. But you have to start working towards that. You have to start being able to codify what people are doing and where there is good and where there's area for improvement. Uh, and that's that's what we want to really work towards as to how we can understand that, how we can understand what the impact is and then how we can share that back with with our users and our customers to help them improve, because that's what we're ultimately about. Um, and you went through, uh, you've had a, a fundraising round uh, just before the summer, I believe, um, and, and you're sort of looking at scaling up. What, what are you using that, that fundraising round for at the moment? How are you expanding? Mm. So we um, went out to uh, a range of different investors um, and we actually ended up going a, a slightly unconventional route uh, we've uh, taken a minority investment from uh, pwc as was well pricewaterhouse coopers the the um, services firm accounting consulting and, and the like um, and that's kind of a double whammy um, yes the investment and, I, and i'll talk about that in a second um, but also um, we've known the team um, from pwc for quite a long time um, my partner tim in particular and always respected their kind of knowledge and um, understanding and culture and ways of working. So to have an investment from them is is tremendous for us. Um, we get to work alongside some very smart, motivated people with a lot of different perspectives. Um, and I think we get sort of um, benefit of, of the large scale firm alongside still maintaining our kind of startup agility um and um ways of thinking and and ways of doing things so i'm really really happy with the partnership and 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 being able to work alongside them um and and hopefully you know that will that will grow over time and as we as we look internationally as well um in terms of the actual investment um we have been constrained i suppose by organic growth for a while um always wanting to do more um but that is slow progress i mean anyone who's who's worked in healthcare knows that um uh, there can be plenty of goodwill, but it just takes time to, to sign people up and to, to grow those contracts. So what this hopefully allows us to do is to double down on what we're doing uh, on the product and start to um, implement some of those features that we've been wanting to work on uh, for, for a while, do those much quicker. Um, and we're out recruiting developers to do that now, um, but also put efforts towards um, how we how we start to help customers more broadly, how we start to look at some of those knowledge aspects and how we start to um, start to share some of that knowledge. Um, so it's, it's, you know, we're cautious with it. You don't want to go too crazy when you, when you get investment, um, but we're really excited about um, the next step. And are you looking at hiring more people at the moment? 
Yes, we are. We're out. We're out to recruitment. Um, we've got um, some re- recruiting posts up on our on our website and, and beyond. Um, we want to make sure we get um, good people. You know, we've got a tremendous team, um, and so we want to make sure um, we're doing that in a way that um, continues to to grow the right people. Um, but um, we are hiring developers, um, and we'll probably um, in the new year sort of hire out for our um, uh, our kind of implementation and, and customer support team as well um and i think it's a really exciting place to be i mean i think you know the um the junction between healthcare and technology is 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 just a really engaging problem to be working on so um i think there are lots of people who are, who are interested in solving those problems and looking back on your um your, your journey from management consultancy have you spotted any other key problems that you think uh, you know you'd love someone to come along and fix in healthcare? Oh, I have a a, a notebook with with them all listed out. <laughs> uh, it's um, uh, there's no shortage. I mean, when you work when you look on the front line uh, and you actually spend time with clinicians, there are uh, there are probably hundreds of these problems. I think the real challenge is um, picking the right ones, picking the ones that um, you know you can meaningfully um get your teeth into and and have an impact on particularly at uh, at a relatively small scale I, I i was listening to the podcast with with umang uh babylon um that you did and he was talking about um the handoff notes between doctors and and and, and on rounds and wanting to solve that problem but realizing it was such a complicated problem uh that it really wasn't something that he could meaningfully approach and it sort of resonated that you could spend a day in a hospital and talk to a dozen staff and come up with a hundred problems but you've got to find the ones that you can have a meaningful impact on you've got to find the ones that you can do something compelling that does have uh, a financial return on investment that staff will get quite quickly Um, otherwise I think you're going to struggle Um, I suppose the caveat to that is it depends on your resources you know some of those bigger problems if you've got deeper pockets and bigger teams, then, then yes, they're tremendous ones to go after. And, you know, some of the stuff that DeepMind are doing and, and the way that Babylon are tackling those some problems. Of, is some of the data from your app actually helping you figure out what those problems are that potentially next? It certainly has that potential. Um, it's not something we've actively gone looking for. Um, it's something we definitely notice. Um, I think our focus is on making sure we do this really well now. Um, it's a, it's a um, increasingly maturing product, but there's still so much more we can do with, with Perfect Ward that we want to make sure that we don't get distracted by those other problems. Um, and I certainly have that kind of, um, I have to control myself a little bit because I, I, I constantly see those opportunities. And this is, this is how I think in terms of, you know, oh, we could do this and it would solve that tremendously and have all these sketches and and ideas um but where we are i think we have to be quite disciplined in um you know we've got a tremendous product that's that's helping um a lot of a lot of people now but there's so much more that we could do with it uh in this country and beyond um that we really want to make sure that we we don't get too distracted and just talking about beyond, are you actively looking for, for um, customers outside of the UK at the moment? Yeah, we are in a, in a, in a cautious way. I think it's, um, if you get it wrong, it's a very silly way of getting yourself into trouble. If you, if you try and launch too broadly internationally, um, then I think you can, you can get unstuck. But we are um, cautiously 
working with a couple of organizations in, in, in different countries. Um, initially, to, to, I suppose we started doing that just to test whether the idea um, had international potential or whether we were just solving something from the UK. And we were very pleasantly surprised as to how applicable it was across international healthcare. And now we're starting to um, talk more seriously and, and, and have been running um, pilots with, with, with organizations uh, looking to grow in a few countries internationally now. Um, and I think um, beyond that being a sort of um, commercially sensible thing to do, um, I think it has a really interesting opportunity to then start to broaden out that experience base and start to learn from what other countries are doing and how we can bring that back to the UK and beyond. Actually got some interest in hospitality industry and um, restaurant industry. Uh, and you're absolutely right. You know, there's, there's very comparable quality and safety issues in, in restaurants. Um, and there was, there was quite a lot of interest. Um, where we landed on that was we, we know and love healthcare. And um, that's what we want to focus on. There may come a time when uh, we start to go back to that and, and, and we start to think about, well, you know, actually there is still the opportunity in, in those kinds of industries. Um, but we think we can offer healthcare the most at the moment. We think that's where our, our heart is. Uh, we think that's where we understand it the best and we, we um, are better off making a really, really good application and, and service for healthcare um, rather than a mediocre one. Do you think that's one of the reasons that you guys have been so successful? I have the sort of mind that's always interested in, in the problems and solving them. Um, and um, I've got a, a, a brilliant um, team and board around me um, who um, keep me honest on that and, and, and have that kind of focus and, and drive. Um, as I said, my, my partner, Tim, has, is, is tremendous at that, you know, having that kind of, um, you know, let's make sure we're focused. Uh, let's, let's have the, the difficult conversations around whether this is, um, you know, the right thing to be doing um, and whether this is, you know, really getting us in the right direction and when you're when you're really interested in the problem and and when you can mm. see those problems and want to solve them it's really easy to lose that focus um and i, and I wouldn't want to overemphasize that because you get some of your good ideas from from looking more broadly and from trying different things so there's always a, a role for being curious and and exploring these things um but ultimately you benefit nobody by doing you know tens of things half-heartedly when actually you could do one or two things really, really well. Um, and I think that's, that's, that's where we anchor ourselves. So the problem that you're solving is literally, as you said right at the beginning, an Excel spreadsheet, uh, which is not conducive to, to the people on the shop floor. Yeah, absolutely. And, and sometimes you have to be careful that you don't set the bar too low for yourself on that. I mean, what it, what it means is, is um, we have an unfair advantage, I suppose, in, in the, the scale of the impact we can have on people. Um, when they've really gone from that that standard to actually, I think, kind of quite a state of the art um, piece of software to be able to do it, albeit hidden behind um, the simplicity that we've talked about, then um, it's very easy to have a tremendous impact. Um, but uh, the standards we try and set ourselves are if someone chose to download this application themselves rather than uh, were asked to use it by their their hospital or mental health trust or whatever it may be, would they choose to use it? And our 
development team um they have a background in in apps that are like that you know the apps that people download from the app store and they are very good as well at saying this is too complicated if this was on the app store and someone downloaded it they delete it it's just at the very early stage of um, starting a healthcare company what are some of the the biggest sort of roadblocks that you've encountered or, or problems that you faced i think um not putting too much of your effort or um emotion into any single organization um it's really easy particularly in the nhs for things to not happen for reasons that aren't necessarily anyone's fault um and you can be having tremendous conversations with really enthusiastic people and for whatever reason um that doesn't happen or it takes years to happen and where i've seen uh founders of of really promising health tech companies flounder is that they've had one really important pilot customer or first commercial customer that's that's just got stuck in the mud and it's destroyed them either financially or or emotionally um and it's very very important to make sure you go wide enough and talk to enough organizations that that doesn't happen and i i say that with absolute no disrespect to um people in the nhs because the reason why this happens is very good reasons you know winter pressures um you know a poor cqc inspection that they absolutely have to address um waiting list priorities anyone who's worked in that environment knows that there are lots of competing reasons why um good things that should happen don't necessarily happen or don't happen particularly quickly um but as a as a company as a young company you have to be ready for that and you have to speak to enough people to go broad enough on that the other thing i would say is really really important is be very very clear on the problem that you're solving um and be able to express that in a way that someone telling their friend telling their friend's boss telling their friend's colleague can explain as well um because i think sometimes with healthcare technology it can be um quite complicated to explain what you're doing and you can quite easily get lost from the problem that you're trying to solve and i think making sure that you stay true to that and you can express it clearly uh, i think alex you were mentioning one of your companies there that sounded in that category you know they they they're doing something quite advanced and it'd be quite easy to explain that in a way that people didn't really get um so i think it's it's really important to make sure that you you test that and and get some quite honest criticism as to to whether you are doing that you know whether you are doing it in a way explaining it and explaining the problem i mean for for us getting the messaging right as as you exactly say where you're using more complicated technology it's all about just going back to that problem um and for us that problem was how do you scale any sort of teacher essentially so so our our sort of mantra is providing accessible affordable education and in-person training to people so we don't even talk about the technology in in our one-liner it's you know that's all the kind of behind the scenes stuff that we then joke exactly. about with all our tech team and now i get and now i get what it does from from what you just said there and i can i can explain that and that's what you need to be able to do um it's it's you'd think it's quite a straightforward thing but actually when you spend all your time on the tech and all the time on the details you you can lose that that perspective i guess the other thing i I'd, i'd sort of say is um you know find your find your friends find your mentors find your navigators i mean one of the real advantages that you guys have is that you you have a foot in each camp right you understand that healthcare world and you understand the business perspective and you understand the sme perspective and the technology perspective and you need people like that to be able to 
steer you through. You know, I, I, I was lucky enough uh, to have been in that environment for a while and understood it, but it's quite a complicated environment. And uh, you've got people on the other side who understand it very, very well, but don't necessarily understand where you are. So people like you guys who, who, who understand both can be tremendously helpful to, to you know, we use this phrase, you use this phrase, navigate people through, but it's true, you know, to, to actually understand, okay, well, actually the people who, who really have that problem are here and this is what they need to hear and this is how you need to, to do it. Um, and that's not necessarily something you can just get out of a book or teach yourself. So that's quite a nice segue because at the end of our podcast, we hand back over to the company and founder to let them give their elevator pitch and summary of their organization back to the listeners and also to put out an ask to any of the audience. So Jonathan, back over to you. Yeah, great. Well, um, I, I guess I'm challenging myself, aren't I, now, <laughs> to, to be able to really clearly explain <laughs> our, our problem and how we solve it. Yeah, set myself up nicely there. Well, well I will do. And, and Perfect Ward, what we do is we help you improve quality and safety and patient experience at the same time releasing valuable clinical time to care. And we do that in a way that staff engage with, and we do that in a way that they really get motivated around how they can improve quality and safety. And we have been able to do that for a large number of organizations now in the last few years, but we'd love to do it with more. Um, we're really on a mission with how we can help people with this. And it's really something that we can help healthcare organizations do surprisingly easily. They can implement quickly and cost effectively at scale. And I would encourage anyone listening who is a clinician, knows a clinician, uh, knows someone involved in healthcare to go to the App Store or Google Play, um, download Perfect Ward uh, for free. You can register for a demo account and we can uh, let you have a play around with it. You can understand how it, use, it can be used. We can give you some demonstrations. Um, and it's very easy to try and understand um, and, and, and give it a, a go. So I'd, I'd really encourage anyone listening to the podcast um, to do that. Um, uh, feel free to contact us at perfectward.com as well. We're, we're always happy to talk about it. Um, and we, um, we're just looking to, to work with more and more organizations. Thank <laughs> you.